Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to like the video and subscribe if you haven't already. Leave your thoughts in the comment section below on today's topics, which there are two of. We are going to discuss Nintendo's latest indie world presentation, as well as the recent controversy surrounding Blue Box Games Abandoned and why the project is not what the public believes it to be. And for these two topics, I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer. What's up, Nate? Great to be here. Um, man, I, I missed I missed you, and I missed uh, talking to you on this <laughs> on this podcast. So it's great to be here. It's always great having you. Yes, it has been a little while since we've had our or had a new episode, and that's because you know it's been really quiet in the industry right now. Yes, some things have happened, like the terrible situation that's ongoing at Activision Blizzard, but that was a matter that each of us had addressed on the Spawncast in its respective week, and we didn't want to come here and regurgitate our same talking points. And it's also a matter of, if we really wanted to address it, it was something we had sought out guests to bring on that would better represent the trauma, and they could share their own stories or their insight into the matter. And that was, it proved to be somewhat difficult to organize that type of topic. But we are back now and we are going to talk about the indie world and abandoned. And we're going to start with Nintendo's indie world presentation that took place earlier this week on Wednesday afternoon. And this is the first time we've heard from Nintendo this month, even for the second half of the year since E3 of what Nintendo has planned for the remainder of the 2021 calendar year. And we're going to hear more from Nintendo in the coming weeks. We know that Pokemon news will emerge before the end of the month. And that should excite people who are looking forward to the Pokemon remakes, as well as Pokemon Legends Arceus, which comes out early next year. But first, let's dive right into the indie world, which had a nice helping of indie software on display and it opened with bomb rush cyberfunk from team reptile this is the spiritual successor to jet set radio and that was a classic on the dreamcast we also had jet set radio future come to the original xbox but since then we really haven't had a product encapsulate that type of feel or attitude that the jet set radio series had delivered and I'd say it looks pretty impressive. It has a nice visual appearance to it, and the music was quite catchy. This is a game that comes out early next year, and it is a timed console exclusive for the Nintendo Switch. And after today's presentation, I have to say it is on my radar for a potential purchase early next year. How about you, MVG? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big Jet Set Radio fan. I love the original Dreamcast version and future on the Xbox, as you mentioned um, Hideki Naganuma is doing the, uh, well, he's involved in, in some of the, the sound or the audio, um, along with other artists as well. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's definitely on my radar as well. I, I think this is one of those games where a lot of people have wanted Jet Set Radio to come back. And I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of licensing issues around bringing a game like that back. So this is, the next best thing so you know um it looks good and uh, i'll definitely be checking it out hopefully it it, uh, it it plays well when it comes out 
Yes. And the Indie World also had a Metroidvania style game. Unfortunately, it was not the Metroidvania people had hoped with Hollow Knight Silk Song. Hold on, hold on. Let, let's talk about Silk Song. What is going on with Silk Song, Nate? Come on. I mean, you must know something. Have you heard anything? Like, does this game even exist? What, what is happening? Is this even an indie game now, or is this something that we'll just see at a regular Nintendo Direct? What's going on? I believe the game has evolved beyond the scope of what we would deem an indie showcase caliber game. It It's a big enough release that it could be in a general direct, or it may even have enough standing to be tweeted out one day and get a huge public reception that it, it doesn't need the shackles of an indie world anymore. And I think Team Cherry has created an IP that is simply that powerful. And today's absence really wasn't that surprising to me. I think it was kind of expected. We know Team Cherry is a very small studio. And I think it really is just a matter of that game probably would be better positioned in a general direct. Otherwise, it would overshadow everything shown yeah. in an indie showcase. I mean, when when your game, when, when the absence of your game multiple times is trending on Twitter, <laughs> then you know that there are a lot of people that really want to play this game. Yeah, absolutely. And... I mean, we know Team Cherry is going to deliver something of quality when Silk Song is delivered. Hopefully, we get an update soon. Hopefully, we hear something this year. And, I mean, it really just feels like it's a matter of time before we do get that update. Team Cherry, I mean, it's not like they tease us with an impending announcement or anything. They they remain silent, and they give us an update when they can. And that can also be applied to Cuphead delicious last course we have not heard of you know from that title in quite some time and that's another case of maybe that's something that microsoft may want to hold on to but considering they also had an indie show early this week and cuphead was a no-show there i'd imagine development is just you know a little rough for these two developers right now but we know they're cooking up quality games and when they are ready to reveal them once again and give us a release date we're all going to be hungry at the bit waiting to dive into what they have prepped for us but we did have a metroidvania and it's from thomas hap games it was axiom verge 2 and this is a game that a lot of people have been waiting for for a long time it's shadow drop today so it is available on the switch eShop right now and i loved axiom verge on the Wii U. Mm-hmm. I played it there originally. I also played it on the PlayStation Vita. And this is a title I'm going to be picking up later tonight and, you know, just sit back in handheld mode on the Switch and play in my leisure. So I was very happy to see this game Shadow Drop today. And it's been getting rave reviews. So I can't wait to dive into this game later. Yep. I'm going to be picking it up as well. I love Axiom Verge. I have it on the Wii U as well. I have the physical as well. So mm-hmm. I know that's. Uh, pretty sought after and speaking of physical my friends at limited run have the physical for axiom verge 2 as well as a double pack i think of one and two and that's october the first i believe it's coming and this is not sponsored by the way just just (laughs) letting people know but um big fan of axiom verge and i can't wait to play axiom verge 2 yes i'm very excited that's correct. We are not sponsored by Limited Run Games, <laughs> but yes, starting, I believe it, it was October 1st, you can order the dual pack or the single pack of Axiom Verge 1 
or Action Verge 1 and 2, or Action Verge 2, or Action Verge 1 and 2. So if you want a physical copy of these fantastic indie games, you'll know where to look. And the game that closed out the indie showcase, and I'm sure angered a lot of people because it was not Hollow Knight, was Eastward from our good friends at Chucklefish. They were the publishers of... Uh, what was that? I can't think of the game now. Um, Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley. That's exactly right. That's it. I was thinking Steam World something. I was like, I know it's not that. Yeah, Stardew Valley. They're the publishers of Stardew Valley on the Nintendo Switch. And Eastward is an action-adventure RPG with puzzle-solving and dungeon elements with a beautiful pixelated art style. It is a Nintendo Switch timed exclusive. Comes out September 16th. Pre-orders are available now on the Nintendo eShop. And... This is a title that definitely has my interest. I'm not 100% convinced it is a title I will enjoy, but the trailer that was on display at the indie show has my interest peaked, and it's something I'm going to be looking into over the next several weeks as we build up to the game's launch. I'm kind of with you on this one. Um, I like the the art style of this game. It's There's definitely mm-hmm. something that is drawing me to playing this game but i, I want to see more i guess um but it, it you know first impressions were good and uh yeah chucklefish is a good company for this stuff so you know um definitely yes. keep an eye on this one for sure we then had tome from something we made not us that's the name of the company <laughs> and this is a hand-drawn adventure which you use your photographic eye to uncover mysteries and this was actually a quite an intriguing looking title in the indie showcase. It looked very relaxing, something that you just enjoy in your leisure. This is something I need to see a little more of, but it definitely has my interest. It's I like these type of relaxing artistic style games. Tome was probably one where um, I thought it was a, it, it looked looked decent, I'll say, but it's probably not really my cup of tea. Let's be honest, but. Um, you know, I think aesthetically, again, it's it's a, a, a nice-looking game, but I'm mm-hmm. not sure if it's really my bag, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that's the good thing about these indie showcases is that they show such a wide variety of software choices is that there's probably something on display that, has, that speaks to you in some form. It's not going to be every game, but, yeah. you know, Tome is something like it spoke to me, didn't speak to you, mm-hmm. and that's what you want to see from these showcases. You want to see that variety because, I mean... It's a case of all forms of art. No art is going to speak to everyone the same way. You need yeah. that diversity. And that's what these indie showcases really display well. And we had Yacht Club Games display Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon, which this is definitely a new look for the Shovel Knight franchise with kind of like, I guess, I mean, it implements puzzles and boss mechanics. I mean, it's a puzzle adventure mashup. So it's kind of like, Puzzle Quest, but with Shovel Knight characters. Yeah, I, I thought this looked kind of cool, Nate. Um, there was something about this that <laughs> that um, looked really pleasing to me. I mean, I like Shovel Knight. Um, there's like there's a super puzzle fighter vibe with this. There's like a Meteos. I mean, yeah. there's there's different games that that um, that this is kind of taking influence from. Um, I think I'm going to check this one out. I, I I think this one looks pretty good. We'll be back after a quick break. 
Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that owl has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. Yeah, I mean, it comes out later this winter. It definitely has. It has my attention. I'm just not sure if I'm in the mood for that style of puzzle game right now. See, I'm but, the opposite. You know, like, I want, I want a quick pick up and play. You know, and I yep. think this would, would would definitely fill that void for me pretty well. Yeah, definitely. And this game surprised many, though. Definitely didn't surprise us because this is a game that we were high on back at, I believe it was in Jeff Keeley's summer game fest presentation. Mm-hmm. And it is Metal Slug Tactics. This it's was. To, yes. Go ahead. No, it's coming to Switch in 2022. This was uh, the game of the show for me. Uh, I'm really hyped mm. about this one. Really, really hyped about Metal Slug Tactics. As yes. soon as I saw this initial trailer, I was just like, oh, my God. Did, yes. Why haven't I thought about a game like this before? <laughs> you know, I love Advance Wars. I love Final Fantasy Tactics. Why wouldn't they make a game like this in the Metal Slug universe? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm all about this. Yeah, I'm buying this game day one. The only thing I need them to announce right now is that they are going to make a physical edition <laughs> well hopefully hopefully yes. uh, our friends at limited run are listening to the show <laughs> and uh they're working on that as we speak now I, I would dude i would love a physical of this game yeah this i love everything that they've shown with metal slug tactics so far i mean do i want a brand new metal slug game yes, yes but i'm going to play this game a lot i know it i love the advanced wars style games and metal slug tactics it it's taking all that beautiful pixel art from the main metal slug titles translating it into a tactical game and it's doing it's paying respect Mm -hmm. to the metal slug franchise as a whole and i mean the main heroes of the game are marco and tarma and fio and eri and those are the those are the four pillars of metal slug yeah i can't wait to hear the announcer say marco (laughs) so okay so let's let's get serious this or advance wars and I'm talking about the, oh, the the new Advance Wars. The Way Forward one? Yep. Man, I'm going Metal Slug Tactics. I, I have to go Metal Slug Tactics as well. I, I think <laughs> it, it's got me more excited, you know, and if yeah. they pull it off, I, I think it could be a really, really good game. Yeah, I mean, the only hesitation I have with Metal Slug Tactics is that there will be roguelike elements and not exactly sure how that's going to play into a tactical style game, but I have faith with the development studio that is handling it of, of dot emu. Mm-hmm. And I believe they're going to deliver a quality game because if you look at their, you look at their roster of releases and we can just go back as far as last year with streets of rage four, 
they know how to make quality games. Or even today on the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5, they had a multiplayer beta go up for Windjammers 2. Yeah. Yeah. They they know how to deliver a high quality game and they respect the franchise that they are looking to replicate or make a new entry of. And Metal Slug Tactics is definitely something I am high on. It comes out early next year again. And, you know, I can't wait to see more of it. I can't wait to see them explain and detail like the roguelike elements and such. But right now, Metal Slug Tactics is the game for me over Advance Wars. And that hurts to say because Advance Wars 1 and 2 on the Game Boy Advance are two of my favorite Game Boy oh, Advance they're, games. They're masterpieces, no doubt. Yes. I'm, I'm looking at the trailer again for Metal Slug <laughs> Tactics. Um, and they've nailed the animations. And, you know, yes. it's easier to say that, but getting those animations right and then rotating them 45 degrees in the isometric way that mm-hmm. they have, the way that they've drawn those sprites and made, I mean, it's very familiar, right? If you play Metal Slug, you know exactly what this is. But the way that they've actually redrawn these sprites to fit an isometric world and the boss at the end there, um, they've completely nailed the aesthetics of this game. And, and I, I'm, I'm here for it because it's not easy to, to you know, replicate the style of a game that came out in 2001, right? So I, I think they've done a, a fantastic job. Yeah, and, and that's always that was always one of the hesitations, I believe, to even bring Metal Slug back to modern systems is that one of the more most important pillars to Metal Slug was that pixelated animation. Yep. It was that you know that movement. It was everything in you can't make a metal slug that doesn't respect that visual style. And they are doing that here at metal slug tactics. They're respecting that aesthetic and they're looking to replicate it the best you can on modern platforms. And it really looks like they nailed it. And I I hate to say this, but it's also part of the game, the slowdown as well. So when, when, when you're (laughs) fighting a boss and there's like rockets going on everywhere and there's part of the smoke everywhere, the game slows down, right? It slows mm-hmm. down because, you know, the system is being taxed, but it also gives you a chance to get out of the way of enemy bullets, right? So um, even yes. that mechanic, I think, is is kind of part and parcel of the Metal Slug experience that we know and love. So, mm-hmm. you know, treating it with the respect that it deserves, I think .emu has done uh, a bang-up job, at least with what yes. we've seen so far. Yeah, and if you've never played a Metal Slug game before, you can go on the Switch eShop right now. You can download, I believe it's Metal Slug 3. I think there's also Metal Slug, might be Metal Slug 1, 2, 3. I think X is on there as well. So there is a small helping of Metal Slug games, and they are well worth any financial investment because they are some of the all-time classic arcade games, and everyone should experience Metal Slug in some form. We then had Tetris Effect Connected coming to Switch on October 8th, same day as the Switch OLED. And this is a game I still play almost every day on my Xbox Series X because it is just an an emotional, stimulating, beautiful game. The soundtrack, the colors, the effects, everything about it is Tetris perfected and I can't wait to play it in handheld mode on the Switch. This is going to be, this is going to form a new addiction for me. I, I agree. I, I love Tetris Effect, Nate. Um, I played on PSVR. I've played on the Xbox Series yes. X. 
and I'm going to play it on the Switch. I'm going to buy the game all over again because I freaking love it. Um, and you know, mm-hmm. I think having it having it available in a portable mode and uh, taking that game with me has a lot of appeal. And um, I, I and yeah, I mean, launching it the same day as the OLED Switch is not a coincidence. Let's be honest. I think that game is really going to pop on the OLED Switch, and I think they know that. You know that this mm-hmm. game is going to look best on the new Switch model. And if you're lucky enough to have pre-ordered one, you're going to get a great experience. And even if you haven't, I mean, it's still going to look fantastic because it's a, it's yeah. just a beautiful looking game. And um, I'm very excited that it's coming out for the Switch. Yeah, I, I loved the tweets I saw from Enhance where they specifically mention the OLED model. And it feels as though they are trying to position it kind of like, hey, you're going to pick up that OLED model. You want to see this game in the best visual display possible with the vibrant colors and the deep blacks you're going to want to pick up tetris effect because we have a lot of special effects going off in the background when you're playing this game so it does feel as though their marketing is saying you want to test that screen in a new exciting way might want to pick up this tetris game (laughs) and they're also having a sale i believe the game is 25 percent off for the first two weeks yep when it comes to switch on october 8th so that's smart marketing on their part and it also has cross-platform multiplayer across all platforms yep so when you go into the connected multiplayer mode you can play with friends on xbox or playstation all from the comfort of your switch so that's an awesome feature to see here and i can't wait to dive back into tetris effect connected in just about eight weeks they then had a Several other indie games, but we had Far, Changing Tides. Then we had Loop Hero from Devolver Digital. It's an innovative card-based RPG. That one looked interesting. I may check that one out, that Loop Hero. I I, uh, I was intrigued by that one, and I, I want to see more of it. See, I'm not big on card-based RPGs. I think the last one I played was Lost Kingdom on the GameCube, or maybe Botan Kato's two i believe that was the one that shifted the card based yeah and it just never clicked with me even with fantasy star online three that went card based and i was like i I just want traditional Mm -hmm. it's just i and it's 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 disappointing when i see a game that looks engaging and then like oh it's card based i was like never mind you just lost me (laughs) Then had Boyfriend Dungeon. This was a shadow drop. It's available on the Switch eShop right now. It is a dungeon crawling dating simulator. Looks like Diablo. Can, yeah, kind of, except you date your sword. Right, right. <laughs> and, you know, frankly, I don't see the point in dating your sword. But, um, <laughs> And if you really want to date your sword, you can just play Xenoblade Chronicles 2. That's right. <laughs> then had a Necro, Necro Barista Final Pour. This is from Route 59. It is a story about coffee and death. The dead come back for a day, and you get to talk about life and death, serve some coffee. And it was also a shadow drop. It's available on the eShop right now and is a timed exclusive for the Nintendo Switch. What do you make of this one? I don't even remember it, Nate. I got I to gotta watch the trailer again. And it has a good anime visual style, but if I want to play a visual novel type of experience, I think I'm just going to wait for Life is Strange 
three to come out in about a month. I yeah, I'm not too sure if I want to talk about talk to dead people while serving them uh, mocha java. I'm watching it now. Yeah, I remember this one now. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I like the visual style. It's just I'm not sure if I'm in the mood for a narrative driven game in that type of setting. We then had Islanders Console Edition. That was another shadow drop. It's available right now on the eShop, and it is a timed console exclusive for the Nintendo Switch. Then we had Garden Story, and that's also a timed console exclusive that released on the eShop today. And to round out the indie showcase, we had Slime Rancher Portable Edition, Curious Expedition 2, 100 Days Wine Making Simulator. Winemaking is a great hobby if you have a basement with ample space and it's nice and cool and you can store a few barrels. You should definitely look into winemaking for real. I have made my own wine. It comes out quite nicely and it's very simple to do. And then there was Gang Beast, Astroneer, and Lumber Bear Jack. And that rounds out the indie world from earlier today. And overall, what were your thoughts on the show, MVG? Uh, I thought it was... A very workman, serviceman, business-like, direct, indie direct. It was it was pretty good. Let's put it that way. It was, it was certainly not the best one that they've done. I liked, um, I think Metal Slug was probably the surprise for me. Um, I was a little disappointed that we didn't see any more of uh, the Ninja Turtles game. But that's just a personal thing, really, more than anything. I know we'll, we'll definitely be hearing more about that game. Um, in the coming months, anyway. Oh, look, overall, I, I thought it was—I thought it was good. You know, I, I would probably give it a, a seven point five to an eight out of ten. I thought it was a good show. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, after after E three, I think this is a an appropriate follow up for Nintendo, and and um, you know, I think some of the games that they showed were were quite interesting and quite good. And as mentioned, a highlight for me was definitely Metal Slug Tactics. Um, and Tetris Effect was definitely up there as well. Yeah, I think it was a solid indie showcase overall. There's a lot of diversity in the games presented. And, you know, like you, my highlight was Metal, Metal Slug Tactics. This was a game that was announced a few months ago, but at the time it was only announced for, I believe, mobile and Steam. So to see it get announced for the Switch was a nice surprise. I can't wait to pick it up next year. And for Tetris Effect to finally come to the switch now this is the this is I don't, I don't i don't know if ubisoft brought a tetris over to the switch before tetris 99 hmm. i'm not certain but th- i believe this is the first real tetris game to come to the platform if we don't count tetris 99 as a traditional tetris i think you might be right yeah i think you might and, be right i mean tetris effect as you know it's on the playstation 4 it's on the Xbox series of consoles and for it to finally come to the switch. It's just really nice to see. This is a game people really should experience. It is a beautiful game. The soundtrack is moving. The effects are just, it's stimulating. It is a mind melting game. And I am curious to see how they maybe had to scale down some of the background effects to get it to yeah. run on the switch I'm, smoothly. I'm curious about that too, because there is definitely a lot of particle effects that are, that are happening. Uh-huh. Um, and look, I think, I think for the most part, um, it should just be a one to one 
you know, translation of those those things because there isn't really much else going on. But you know, having right. a lot of particles, um, a lot of um, you know polygons on the screen, small polygons, mm-hmm. um, does does have a, an impact on on your performance. So I am curious to see, you know, what res it runs at. Does it run at sixty? Does it slow down? Have they cut down on the polygons um, and the particle effects? Some all, you know, um, it's definitely some things to think about there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's another one. I hope I hope there's a physical release for Tetris Effect connected on the Switch. I know, I believe it was I am Eight Bit did it for the PlayStation, and I think it was a little while after the game originally launched. And I'm not sure if LRG also had a physical release for it. I want to say yes, maybe. But because I know it launched with one from a one publisher and then it something came out like a year later from another. So hopefully it has a physical release as well. That's a game I want in my physical collection. And yeah, if you haven't played Tetris Effect yet, definitely be on the lookout when it comes to Switch on October 8th. And if you're getting that OLED model, this will be a beautiful way to experience that game with the visuals popping. Get yourself a nice pair of headphones and just lose yourself and immerse oneself into the majesty that is Tetris Effect Connected. It is a it is a life-changing experience. And that sounds like hyperbole, but when you play it and you allow the emotions that the game is delivering really overtake you, you'll walk away saying, wow, this is this is a really thrilling and moving experience that you wouldn't expect to get from a game like Tetris. Unlike Abandoned. Is that a movie Good segue. experience? It's moving just in the wrong way. <laughs> it's right, retreating. Like, what's going on with the band? Let's 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 talk about it. What's happening? Yes. Let's talk about Abandoned. This is a a game, I guess we can call it from Blue Box Game Studios. This is the elusive independent studio that has taken the gaming industry by storm over the last several months because they have been linked to Hideo Kojima, Konami, Silent Hill, Metal Gear Solid, and for really no reason other than Kojima's a genius and this weird marketing technique deployed by Blue Box Games has to be the genius of Hideo Kojima, and that's what a lot of people believe. And several months ago, a lot of people went to Twitter, myself included, saying, this is not Kojima. This is truly the work of an individual known as Hassan from Turkey who has an independent game studio and is simply trying to make a project. And people said, no, 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 that's not possible. It has to be something bigger. And hence the conspiracies began. But things really began to take hold in the last couple of weeks when an app for Abandoned became available on the PlayStation Store. You could download it, but you had to wait until August 10th where it would be patched or so was the plan. And you'd get to experience a real time experience, which would have haptics and 3D audio and all the PlayStation 5 features. And it was supposed to go live at 3 p.m. Eastern. And the hour came, the hour of reckoning. And what happened? Nothing. You booted up the demo or the application and it said, come back soon. And a little while after that launch, Blue Box Games went to Twitter saying they had a 
Technical snafu. The patch did not deploy properly. Now, anyone who knows this industry well or is part of the industry will tell you that's not possible. Patches are part of Sony's server. Unless Sony's servers were down, the patch would have gone out on schedule. The fact that the patch did not go out suggests one simple truth. It was never submitted. Sony never had a patch on their servers, and PlayStation Network patch trackers have not reported that a patch was ever submitted for the abandoned app. And what's curious is that when nothing launched, their reason was, oh, we're going to submit a new patch and get this fixed. Well, you can't fix something that doesn't exist. And it began to take on a life of its own. People saying, oh, they're intentionally delaying it until Thursday, August 12th, because that was the original release date for the infamous Konami PT demo. And this is all part of Kojima's master plan. The, now, let me let me stop you there for a sec. So I, the, the PT thing, I haven't even heard about. So people yes. are really connecting trying to connect this back to pt a game that that konami <laughs> famously aborted such a long time ago and have never talked about again and yes. i might add blacklisted from the playstation 5 ever being played again that's yes that's i've never i haven't heard that information um that's interesting yep. that's what some are trying to suggest is happening here instead of just grasping reality they're grasping conspiracy theories any conspiracy theory that fuels their belief system of this has to be something bigger than it is. Sometimes it really is the simplest explanation. Blue Box is truly an indie studio. They paid Sony for some marketing spots. That's why they got a PlayStation blog post. And some are also saying, well, Shuhei tweeted the game yesterday. Shuhei Yoshida's job is to market and bring about attention to indie titles for the PlayStation. He tweeted an image of Abandoned on his PlayStation 5 screen, and that was it. So it was just kind of like, oh, this demo is supposed to go up. Obviously, nothing happened. But that could, that you don't have to read into that as meaning Sony knows more than anyone else. And the fact that PSN trackers or patch trackers never found anything on the servers to even suggest a patch was submitted for abandoned speaks volumes. What happened yesterday was planned. It was never going to launch. There was never a patch submitted. There was never an experience for you to play. And the disturbing thing is, this is a trend for Hassan and the individuals at Blue Box Games. It's been uncovered. That dating back to 2015, they were supposed to release a playable trailer for their title Rewind. And guess what happened the day the playable trailer was supposed to be available to the public? They had a technical issue. And they promised the prototype ran well and that they were going to update with some screenshots and that they would fix it over the next few hours and then nothing came and then it happened again 
last year with a game known as The Haunting. Eventually, this did have some form of release. You can watch full playthroughs on Twitter, or not Twitter, on YouTube. But when it came time to launch their playable experience, the same excuse was used. Something went wrong. We are working to get it live in the next few hours. So, Nate, what you're saying is that the reason... So- there's obviously a, a history of of this, right? But mm-hmm. what you're saying is that Blue Box is really what they're doing is it's viral marketing. At the end of the day, it's it's exactly they're promoting themselves. They're trying to promote their brand, mm-hmm. their company, their image. Um, maybe you know, getting getting the big publishers excited mm-hmm. about it. I mean, look, if it worked, yeah, it, it did. I mean, they were trending on Twitter. They were number two trending on Twitter yesterday, at least according to um, what I could see. Mm-hmm. And everyone was talking about this game. You know, yeah, people were saying, what months. is this? But here's the, I have a few questions, right? I, I think what you're saying is is accurate. And I think you're right. I, I think the whole conspiracy theory thing with Kojima, Silent Hill, all that stuff is just absurd. Now, a couple of questions, and I guess the elephant in the room. So, you know, there's been the the um, the blurred image of what we believe is is Snake in in that last um, you know image that he posted. There was also the the video of what we believed was James from Silent Hill walking. All these things came from from that studio from Blue Box's Twitter account. So, what do you make of that? Are you basically do you, are you just you know do you think they're using people's imaginations to try to tie these things to Konami releases, um, but they don't really have anything Ooh. to show. Do you think it's really just them saying, look, you know, we, we didn't, we didn't say it was Metal Gear Solid ever. We didn't say it was Silent Hill. Um, mm-hmm. Just because we're posting these things doesn't mean this is what we're doing. I mean, right. I guess my question is, what do you think about the way that they're approaching this? Sure. It, it, it gets them, clicks it gets them the attention it gets them trending on twitter everyone's mm-hmm. talking about them because there's so many questions but do you think ultimately that would hurt the brand or the company more than it would help them knowing that there is going to be a lot of people upset by this even though you're right it was their imaginations that made them believe that you know this game has to be a metal gear solid or a silent hill game at the end of the day yeah, I mean, it's a good question, and it does feel as though they leaned into that marketing. They knew, you know, you had rumors out there of Silent Hill, Metal Gear Solid, and they were very much aware that people were assigning those games to their studio. So they leaned into it a little more, and every time they did, it got them more attention. All of a sudden, you're seeing articles appear on IGN and other big media outlets who are covering this no-name unknown indie studio that if you went to steam and you looked up their previous releases you would find that there was nothing to their name of any quality but you could find that the studio has existed since 2015 so it was never a kojima cover-up but they continue to lean into these conspiracy theories to boost their brand to boost that profile and it worked to an extent do you think it's right type of is it (sighs) is it right because i mean 
I could I could say that I'm my next commercial game release is is something, and then I can have a blurred out image of Zelda in the background, right? I mean, is right. is that the right approach for a indie studio? That's sure they've got pretty much the world watching them, which is exactly what they want. But do you mm-hmm. think that the downfall or the the I guess the fallout from this is going to be worth it to them? In the end, I don't think there's going to be any fallout because they're never going to bring a product to market because there is no product. This I I truly believe this was simply a case of them wanting to raise their profile high enough that you would get the attention of a bigger publisher or even a bigger development house who would come calling and saying, what do you have over there? And you'd show this proof of concept for what you have for a game and maybe secure a job. Maybe their marketing department or whoever was handling these tweets is getting a call from a studio now saying, you want to do our social media marketing? You want to be our social media or community manager? And that's the danger of viral you know, marketing or any viral success is that you, your ultimate goal is for attention. And that's what they got. This is an account that went from less than a thousand followers to over fifty five thousand in the span of just a few months. Yeah, there's I mean, no reason that's significant. They should have this type of following or base or attention. The fact like that we're talking about them proves absolutely that what they have done was successful. You're absolutely right, Nate. The fact that we're sitting here talking about this is exactly what they want us to be doing. Yes. I have a question, and I don't know if you can answer this, um, but maybe someone that's listening can help me answer this. So some people know that um, I'm a software dev and I've shipped commercial games. I understand the process of shipping games, and shipping games is not easy. Now, I the part that I really struggle with with all this is how did they manage to get this app this experience, whatever you want to call this two gigabyte download mm-hmm. through certification onto the PlayStation store, because this is nothing. It's literally nothing. How right. can they create this, submit it to Sony and Sony says, yes, this, this is good. This will pass certification <laughs> and put it on the PlayStation store. Sure. It costs nothing. So, you know, um, th- there's no, you know, there's no kind of, I guess, um, urgency to you know to to make them um you know put a a price on it or anything but how do you how do you build an app that is just nothing it's just at the end of it says come back soon or check back soon and how do you get how do you get something like that through sony's certification process onto the store other than paying twenty thousand dollars well maybe that's all you need to do (laughs) and i mean that's a great question and to be fair, we really don't know how the certification, like with companies like Nintendo, certification for like an indie studio will differ region to region. The NCL handling of indie studios is different than NOA. NOEs will be different from NOA and N- NCL. I don't know how Sony in indie operations operate in Europe. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I mean, I know that um, North America and, and Europe are, are completely different as far as how they handle things. Um, and 
like it could be that simple of hey we have this we're making this game we want to submit this and sony said you know went through the thing say it works it's not going to cause harm to your platform to anyone's console and it's uploaded but it's it's nothing that's the point like the 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 cert (laughs) people are going to get this they're going to boot it up on their playstations and they're going to be greeted with that check back soon message that and that's yep. it. So I, I mean, I mean, technically, technically, it hasn't failed cert because it does exactly what it's supposed to, and right. it's not breaking any guidelines, right? Uh-huh. It's not breaking your PlayStation or you know formatting your memory or your your, your save partition or anything. It's doing exactly uh-huh. what it's supposed to do. But the point is, it's nothing. Right. And how do you build? How do you build an app that that <laughs> has nothing? And and get it through. And I guess what I'm getting at, Nate, is I feel like Sony, in some part, I'm not saying it's a huge part, yeah. are involved in this somehow. And I'm not just talking about the cert people. I'm talking about maybe their marketing people. Somehow Sony, I believe, and I don't know this for a fact, I believe somehow Sony is also involved in this in some shape. Someone pushed this through and said, "Yes, get it out there on 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 the on the PlayStation Store." I mean, it's possible. I mean, we could speculate it's the idea that this is a company who promised a PlayStation Five exclusive, and Sony saw that as an appealing offer. I mean, technically, so it's, it's, okay, it is a PlayStation Five exclusive. This this app yes. runs on a PlayStation Five, right? <laughs> but it's just I mean, it, you know where it's. It's just so, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this is genius or if this is just ridiculous at this point. It's, that's the thing. It's either, it's either a move of genius or it's one of the dumbest things I've seen happen on a home console. If this was happening on a PC, I'd say, yeah, whatever. We see a lot of really silly games get added to Steam daily, hourly. And this would have it would have got no attention. And they've uploaded terrible things to Steam in the past. Yeah. And it got no traction. This only got the attention it did because it was a PlayStation 5 game. It had a blog post. The font resembled something from Metal Gear Solid. Mm-hmm. They put out the tweet saying the title of the game begins with an S and ends in L. And everyone said Silent Hill, when it could have been something as simple as school. Yeah survival mm-hmm. countless words and if it was i mean i don't want to use the word scam i don't think it was a scam i don't think they benefited from this financially there's no I scam i mean there's no money exchanged exactly you know, there's no transaction here i think it really was just a move to boost an indie developer's profile as far as they could and it maybe it got away from them a little bit they didn't expect the reaction that they got they then leaned into it so they could see how far they could go. I mean, this is something that we saw discussed by Bloomberg when Jason Schreier wrote an article about it. Well, he was convinced that this was something more. Yes. Originally, he went to Twitter saying he believed it could be, you know, Hideo Kojima. We had Jeff Keighley tweet about this game. I mean, th- that, those are big outlets and personalities to have discussing your game that, as far as we can tell at this moment, is nothing. Yeah. And even their tweets from yesterday, 
of there is the technical issue with the delivery of the patch. We are working to get this live ASAP. And then they followed up. We are still working on it. (laughs) And then they follow up with that. The delay is taking longer than expected. We are fully working on this. If it's the delivery of the patch is the problem, there's nothing you can do. Right. That's on Sony's end. Exactly. You would have experience and firsthand knowledge of how patches are rolled out for these platforms. Yep, I've I've done it before. I mean, there's you're right, Nate. There's no patch. When I saw those tweets, I knew that (laughs) there this was all we were going to get, and Uh you know, this is again, this is a viral marketing tactic that was successful for them, but. I do wonder um, what now, you know, what, what what comes after this part? You know, I mean, they, they still have to make games, right? Um, so uh, I am curious to see where what, what happens after this. I don't think anything's going to happen because after their last tweet, it really has the vibe and read of, we're not going to give you an update. No update is forthcoming. Yeah. We're done. It was a You're good, not hearing from us again. It was a good post. It was, we'll, we'll yeah. communicate when we're ready to communicate. Yeah, they tweeted, we won't be delaying the patch to a specific date, but release it as soon as we have resolved it. On behalf of the BBGS team and everyone involved with Abandoned, we thank you for the patience and apologize deeply for the inconvenience. You're not coming back with an update. Yeah. there Because there, there was never content to upload. There was never a patch submitted or certified. There was never any content beyond the five-second teaser they showed of an individual walking across a floor. That's all they had. And that was probably their... That may have been their visual showcase to show publishers and such that we are working on a project. Does it look appealing to you? reach out to us and maybe we have more to show you. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll contract us to make a game for your, you know, your label. Or and- maybe, you know, there is them throwing their name in the ring if there is a pitch for a Silent Hill remake or um, you know, a Metal Gear remake, right? I mean, I, maybe I'm, I'm I, again, you know, maybe I'm I'm um reaching a little bit, but I, I think this is not only a marketing tool, but I also feel like this is a sales pitch. You know, yes. Look, look what we can do. We had, we had the entire Twitterverse watching us, and yeah. you know, if you work with us, we'll we'll be successful we, together. Yeah, we can be successful. We're going to have attention on our game. We came out in June and said we have no relations with Konami, Silent Hill. Hideo Kojima and people still believe we did. And the sad thing is if a game ever did release from the studio and there will never be one, people would buy it because they would still be convinced that this is some grand scheme from Kojima and that you have to buy the game to solve the riddle that he is dropping upon the world. And I mean, if it was a sales pitch, a bravo to you, you had the biggest media outlets in the world discussing your company, a company with no credits to its name for the span of several months. And that's not easy to do. But I think it's when- time for that company to just fall by the wayside. <laughs> like, yeah. it's over. Yeah, and, and I think that's the, the part that people are struggling with because usually when this happens, 
you know, when there's some type of viral marketing thing that's happened in the past, it usually leads to something bigger, some big announcement. And I think people mm-hmm. are waiting for something bigger to come, right? The patch that will never that will never <laughs> drop or um or you know, some announcement by Sony or Kojima or Silent mm-hmm. Hill or or any of those things. But you're right. They would probably just, you know, not tweet, go radio silent until the next time they decide that they want to, you know, do this again. Oh, they'll, yeah, they'll rebrand. But see, what's interesting about all this is there was it was only maybe about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, where there was an article criticizing Sony for not promoting indies, you know, um, yes. that you had <laughs> to pay a certain amount of money to get noticed. Yep. I mean, what's the takeaway here? Do you think that this was an experiment to see um, if if that was true? Or do you think that, you know, um, if you want to get recognition and you pay your $20,000, um, it's really up to, to you know, you guys to, to, to make that happen. And I think, I mean, look, Blue Box did a great job at the end of the day getting everyone to, to notice them whether it was the right move for them or not doesn't really matter. I mean, they had everyone watching them, but um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, for me, yeah, you do have to pay money. I mean, advertising is not free, right? But um, you can also generate your own marketing. And I think Blue Box did, did that themselves and they got a lot of people excited about what they were working on or what we thought mm-hmm. they were working on. Yeah, they self-marketed themselves masterfully. I mean, ultimately, this game abandoned is going to be abandoned. <laughs> this is going to be forgotten, just like sadness on the Wii. Just like, what was that early game for the Switch? It was Unreal Engine 4. It had a dog and Snippaclips? seasons of fall or something. Oh, oh season, I thought you meant Snippaclips. I don't know why I was thinking. No. <laughs> seasons yeah, of like, the fall? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, what was it called? So seasons of some seasons of heaven, and it was the first NX game announced, and people were looking at like the dog and the visuals, saying, "Wow, that game looks really good." Yeah, where is it? Yeah, yeah, it's nowhere because it, it wasn't real. It never mm-hmm. actually existed. The only question I would have at Blue Box Game Studios is, do you actually have a PlayStation Five dev kit? Because if you do, how did you get one? See, this goes back to the cert thing. So they, I mean, look, whatever they dropped runs on PlayStation hardware. So if they didn't have a dev kit, then someone else built that that app for them. But let's assume they they did build that app, then they must have their own dev kits, which means they must be a part of, Sony's, um, you know, third-party indie lineup, right? So, I mean, the questions around the app for me are the most intriguing. Who built the app? Why did it get through certification? I think Sony was involved in in some fashion promoting this, but I mean, these are all questions that I guess we'll never we'll never really understand. Um, I do know people that are currently looking at reverse engineering the package to see if they can get more information potentially about 
you know, where it's come from and, and what's in there, if there's anything that's kind of any any assets in there, any 3D models or anything like that that they could they could extract. But at the end of the uh-huh. day, it's a two gigabyte download. It's pretty small um, and it doesn't, it probably doesn't contain anything. But yeah, I mean, do they even have dev kits? And you have to assume that they do because um, if they don't, then someone else built this for them, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some questions left but i still operate under the idea that we have to look at just the simple cold hard truths mm-hmm. that there was never a patch submitted for this file to go live on wednesday there still isn't a patch submitted so any of their excuses of we're trying to resolve this no you're not because you you can't resolve it if you submitted a patch that's on sony so there's nothing for you to fix you're waiting for sony to fix the issue so all these excuses don't add up. The fact that they have done this twice in the past just suggests this is their pattern of operation. And the fact that they still have no games to their name means this may truly just be a company who I believe they are an indie company. And I believe they are individuals who are trying. It's just they're either biting more than they can chew <laughs> or they're just they're yeah. well over their head of what they're capable of and this was just a, this was a sales pitch this was a means of raising their profile and it worked well at the beginning but maybe it didn't get the traction or the attention that they were seeking so they kept going on with it and going on and hoping that someone would reach out and say what are you making we want to make you a publishing deal they yeah. still didn't get it, so they kept going at it until something struck and it's simply this week just pushed it too far of we didn't deliver people are pissed we're just going to say hey we'll fix it when we can we're never going to and we're going to fade away Mm -hmm. which is i think the best advice for them is just disappear yeah yeah i I think you're right i mean i don't expect anything more to come out of the story i mean after today's tweets yeah i think it's it's over um there will there will not be a patch no, there won't be a patch, and hopefully people are able to move on and just accept the reality that this wasn't Konami, this wasn't Kojima, this there was no grand, you know, marketing at play from either of those two parties. This was just a small group of ambitious, though foolish, individuals who flew too close to the sun, yeah. and their wings melted, and they have now crashed back down to earth, and hopefully everyone can move on and stop saying every time they tweet, Oh, it's going to be silent Hill. It's going to be metal gear solid. It's not. I mean, I've, I've, I've never believed silent Hill was real anyway, Nate. Come on. <laughs> We've talked about this before. It's real. It's just not a blue box game game. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe blue box game operates in silent Hill. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's time for this studio and everyone, all the talk around it to, come to an end this is the first time i believe we've talked about it and it will be the last time yeah. i just felt as though it was something that we needed to address that everything that happened this week with blue box games and abandoned was pure marketing trickery there was never anything happening on wednesday because no file ever existed yep and hopefully we are able to learn from this and not believe every single random viral tweet that comes out from a random account moving into the future. And with that, we can go into some of the Streamlab questions from this week. 
And our first is from Calvin Atkinson, who donated $100, and the episode is dedicated to, I forgot to give the dedication at the beginning of the episode, to Calvin Atkinson and Shamsa, so I will do that next episode. But Calvin Atkinson writes, Hi, Nate and MVG. Given what is known of the development at this point in time of the next big PlayStation exclusives post-Horizon, which one would you expect to come out first? God of War or Final Fantasy 16? It's a really good question. What I, do you think? I, I'm going to say Final Fantasy 16, but I have very shaky confidence saying that as well. But I, I would say I'm, Final Fantasy. I'm going to agree with you. I believe Final Fantasy 16 will be out before God of War. I have a little more confidence in that than you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then had a dollar donation from Jackie G. Writes, obviously the Nokia N-Gage is the best thing hum humanity has ever created. However, do you believe it should be regarded as a mobile phone or a handheld game console? I think the Engage is a phone that plays games. I, I kind of treat it very similarly to the Xperia, the old PlayStation mm -hmm. phone. It was a an Android phone, and you could flip it open and and you could play yes. PS One games on. Uh, I, I kind of treat the Engage the, the same way, personally. Yeah, I kind of treat the Engage as a relic of the past that should remain forgotten. But I always viewed it as more of a very poorly designed phone. Yep. Then had a donation from Mr. L of $5 who writes, Ahoy, Nate, and MVG. The potential of the Steam Deck as an emulator has been talked about a lot. Do you think it, with its touchscreen and power, could serve as a big screen DS and 3DS emulation machine if coupled with an external display? Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, one thing that I've I've had difficulty with emulating is the DS and the 3DS because of the dual screens and the touch screen. Getting that in a good emulation experience is very difficult. But um, yeah, I mean, I could see a good use case for what you're saying. And if they are able to make that work appropriately, I think that could be a really good experience at the end of the day. Then had a $5 donation from Starwin88. Right. What's up, Nate and MVG? I'm excited for the Steam Deck that Valve has announced. The main reason I'm getting it is for emulation. I wanted to know will it be strong enough to play PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, and GameCube games? Keep up the good work, guys. I think on paper it'll it'll run PlayStation 2, no sweat. It'll run GameCube, no sweat. I'm not sure about PlayStation 3 yet. I think so, but really we need to get our hands on it. And and while we're talking about the Steam Deck, I get so many requests to cover it on a video. I <laughs> am I'm just gonna wait until I get the hardware because there's no point sitting here and speculating about it, you know, what what I think right. it's gonna offer ex as an experience. So once I get the hardware and I, I did get into that first batch of 2021 pre-orders. Um if I get it you know, sooner, then I'll definitely cover it on the channel for sure. We then had a $3 donation from Starwin88 who writes, I forgot to mention that I can't wait to play Tales, Symphony, 
or Vesperia on the go while I'm online with my friends using Parsec. Are you familiar with the app? And if so, which games would you like to play online that didn't have online play originally? Um, I mean, I've used Parsec for um, connecting remotely to um, people's machines and doing work, but I've never used it in a multiplayer capacity for gaming. I have heard good things about it that the the, the lag is is quite minimal, but I don't really have much experience wow. from a multiplayer um, perspective. But uh, yeah, I've never used I've never used it. But that's actually pretty cool to be able to play a game like Tales of Vesperia with. Yep, you know another person, and they control another character in your party. It's actually quite quite good software. Um, oh. Definitely worth checking out if if you uh, if you need to do some remote work. Um, it's it's I think a lot of people use Parsec in the industry. It's it's kind of the mm-hmm. the de facto standard these days. Hmm. Interesting. Then had a five dollar donation from like a boss. Right. Hey, Nate and MVG, I asked you guys a question a while back about Final Fantasy VII Remake coming to the Switch. Let me clarify it. Nintendo owns Japanese market. JRPGs are very huge in Japan. Final Fantasy VII-R is a JRPG that isn't on the Switch, and Square is missing out on profits. Cash sign, cash sign. Well, let me respond to your your, uh, statement. The Switch in its current form would not run Final Fantasy VII Remake at a good user experience. Uh-huh. And that's that's the that's the reality of it. Now, if we're talking about a cloud version, absolutely. I could see that happening all day long if that's the, the path they choose. The problem yes. with the Switch is that the storage um, would would be uh, an, an issue for them because Final Fantasy VII Remake is a very big game. Uh-huh. So it has to be on an SD card straight up. It, it just won't fit on, on Flash. And I guess the bigger issue is performance and, again, lack of memory. There is There are reasons why that game would not perform very well in its current iteration. So uh-huh. um, I think if there is a cloud version, yes, I could, I could, I would agree with you. But I don't see Final Fantasy VII Remake on the Switch natively running in its current form. Yeah, definitely need more powerful hardware. And I mean, I'm sure it's something that Square has tested internally just to see what type of performance they got from the game. But yeah, that game would not run well. So sometimes it's not about a publisher or even a developer losing out on money as much as it is simply the game can't run on the hardware in question or it can't run at an acceptable acceptable level that they feel comfortable enough to bring a product to market then had a dollar donation from like a boss saying do you think all those nintendo switch owners who buy fifty thousand plus units per week would want to play a huge JRPG like Final Fantasy VII Remake, but can't. I think Square Enix was hoping for massive sells when the game was released, but that didn't happen. What are your thoughts? See the previous question. My response to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if people really want to play Final Fantasy VII Remake, especially in Japan, they have very likely picked up a PlayStation 4 to play the game. Yep. Um. Would there be some overlap in Japan of Switch buyers that would have interest in Final Fantasy VII Remake if it came to the platform? 100%. 
but it's just not a it's just not something that's going to come to reality anytime soon. Then had a two dollar donation from Humble Jojo, who writes: "Just learned on Spawncast today that MVG is a Liverpool supporter." I am. I always knew you were a man of culture. Thank Up you. the Reds. Thank you. While I have your attention, what do you think is the future of Animal Crossing New Horizons? Is Nintendo done with updates? They are not done with updates. We should hopefully hear about some of their update plans in the coming weeks. But yeah, they're not done yet. And hopefully what they have planned will make you happy. And had a $7.96 donation from David Cast JRPGs, who writes, just wanted to say thank you for your work and both of your comments on the Activision situation during the Spawncast. Massive respect. Thank you. Then had a dollar donation from Liam Werner, who writes, based off of when Mario Party Superstars is launching, do you think Nintendo will end up squeezing one more Mario Party into current gen, or do you think we won't see anything new to the series, at least new installment-wise, until next gen? Yes. Um, I believe we will see a new one this generation, but I don't. I mean, it really depends on how long Nintendo wants to keep the generation going. I don't think we will. Think this is the last Mario Party for the Switch family? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's still selling, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, at least until this this one comes out this year, right? But. Yeah, I mean, it really comes down to how long Nintendo wants to keep this generation going. If they're able to prolong it with like the Switch Pro, let's say next year, it really comes down to that. And that's it's tough to gauge when Nintendo sees the end for the current console generation. Then had a $5 donation from Jake, writes, Nate and VG, in honor of Ring Fit Adventure being a top 10 seller, what's your favorite wacky Nintendo accessory? I like the bang on my DK bongos. Oh, I like the DK bongos. I was I was a fan of those. Um, what else was there that was kind of wacky that I uh, um, that I liked? Bongos was a good choice. Um, I mean, I didn't get into any of the Labo stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say that one one of the things I would like is the uh, Densha to go uh, train controller. That's that's uh, yes, that's coming out here pretty soon. That'd be kind of cool. I wouldn't call that a, a wacky accessory though. Um, I know um, I'd probably say the, the DK bongos for me were probably the, the same. I was thinking the DK bongos originally before I finished the question. So I'm going to say the Game Boy camera. It's a good one. That's a good, good one. I mean, you could even, and you got the printer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like what the, what the hell was that about? Yeah. That was pretty good. Uh, game, <laughs> the old Game Boy camera. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was, there was, remember when the Game Boy Advance came out there, there was those aftermarket, you know, magnifying glasses and stuff that you would stick yep. on. I don't know, but there was no <laughs> Nintendo um, exclude or official ones that ever came out, but yeah. There were, there were some yeah, interesting yeah, accessories, yeah. but I, I know that those DK bongos were probably it for me. Yeah, those are probably the best things Nintendo put out. 
Ben had a $10 donation from Zadia Quest, who writes, We cherish our childhood gaming memories. If you could temporarily forget your first playthrough of a game and experience it again for the first time, which game would you choose? It, there's, uh, there's, it's, it's two games, and I don't know which one I would, I would go with. One is Super Metroid, because I was just completely okay. blown away just running through that game for the first time. The other one would be Link to the Past for very, very similar reasons. Mm-hmm. Just an, an, an amazing experience. I'd love to have that feeling again. I'm going to say Donkey Kong Country 1. Oh, that's a good pick too because remember the first time you saw that game after yes. you saw it in screenshots in a magazine and you thought, this isn't real, this can't be real. They, they've like <laughs> they've just like doctored these photos or something. And then and it's like, wow. Well, this isn't a Super NES. This is the Silicon Graphics machine that's generating this stuff. <laughs> and then you saw the game and you were like, wow, this is amazing looking. I, 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 I'm I, definitely feeling that, uh, Nate. That's a good pick. Or even the, the fake out ending when yeah. you're fighting King K. Rule on the ship and the credits start. But you notice credits are spelled with a K yep. and all the names are coming up with a K. And that says the end <laughs> dot 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 question mark and all of a sudden he gets back up it's like i remember i beat that part i threw the control i was like yeah i beat the game also <laughs> K rule gets up and he's getting ready to just like rush at me i'm like oh no i had to i had to get the controller back <laughs> oh man i miss rare that was so good back in those days the stamper brothers and then we had a dollar donation from jeremy biff Right. I know people think Nintendo is backwards compared to Sony Interactive Entertainment and Xbox, but I think Xbox check-in DRM and Sony's Interactive Entertainment's obsession with cinema is backwards compared to Nintendo. What are some things Sony and Xbox do that is backwards compared to Nintendo? Hmm. Um, I don't know if there's anything backwards i would say i mean i think for me um my biggest issue with sony is talking about backwards their backward compatibility is very lacking <laughs> they've they yeah. don't have a solution for ps3 ps2 and ps1 right now which hopefully they will but i think right now the focus is on playstation 5 as far as xbox yeah. i mean Hmm. It's a it's a tough one. Um, yeah, the DRM is is really really annoying. Uh, but in the here and now, it's not it's not even an issue, you know, at all. It's only really until many many years later where it it potentially will be an issue. So I can't really say that you know that they're backward on anything. But I don't know. Maybe for me is that you know. There's too much. There maybe there is too much emphasis on Game Pass, but I don't know if that's necessarily a backward thing, um, and that does remain yeah. to be seen as well. Yeah, I mean the three operate so similar. Yeah, in the modern era, that if we were like talking about this during like the GameCube or even the Wii generation, you could say Microsoft is backwards for charging for online right. compared to the other two. But since all charge for online now, it's really hard to hold that to a single fault for any single company. Um, and Microsoft's embraced backwards compatibility better than either mm-hmm. Sony or Nintendo. 
Man, beyond DRM. Yeah. It's hard to say, really. Yeah. It's hard to say where they're backwards, you know, versus Nintendo. Because uh, Nintendo is really not doing well as far as legacy software themselves. Yep. Um, man, that, that's that's really tough to think of, yeah. actually. I, I don't know. I don't know what just said of that one. Not sure. <laughs> They're all backwards in their own ways and forward in some others. <laughs> then had a dollar donation from Pyra, who writes, I saw talks online of Xenoblade DE having been made instead of an export and Nintendo outright saying no to one. Are there more details you could elaborate on such as why? And why should we have hope for an export on Switch? Or should we hold out for next gen? Yeah, that information is correct. At the time, it was basically a situation of, do you want us to port X of the Switch, or do you want us to do the original Xenoblade game? And Nintendo said, we want the first Xenoblade game. As for the possibility of X ever coming to Switch or a next-gen hardware, that's really difficult to say in the here and now. But one of the key reasons that they wanted the first Xenoblade game on Switch, and it should have became very evident over the last couple of days, is that the future connected content will play a role in Xenoblade Chronicles 3 when it comes to Switch next year. So they definitely wanted to introduce people to the first story and some of those characters and kind of have a prelude to what Xenoblade Chronicles 3 will be about by connecting Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and 2 and how that could potentially play a role in the third entry. So from a business standpoint and marketing standpoint, it made more sense to bring the first Xenoblade Chronicles game to the platform over X, which is a spinoff and really doesn't have much of a vested storyline interest in the trilogy. So those all were likely contributing factors into why Xenoblade Chronicles was chosen over X. But for the future of X, that remains to be seen. Can't discount the possibility of a port coming down the line. But as of this moment, there are no plans to port Xenoblade X to Switch. And we then had another dollar donation from Pyra, who writes, Thought I'd say thank you both for the informative insights into game development and the inner workings of the industry. You all explain why, how certain decisions are made, helps to temper unrealistic expectation, or gives hope to another fun announcement. Thank you. Thank you. Then had a $5 donation from Skatittles, who writes, Hello, gents. It feels like it's been forever. Assuming this episode comes out on the 12th, it's my birthday. Happy birthday, Skittittles. Well, as it happens. <laughs> happy birthday. Con- yes. And he continues with, I've decided my birthday games are Psychonauts 2 and No More Heroes 3. What are the best games you've associated with your birthdays over the years? Ooh. So my birthday's in April, and there's usually some big games that come out that time. But I'm thinking of, I'm trying to think of one that stands out. Um, hmm, 
a tough one. Like in recent times, you know, Resident Evil 2 Remake was was one that I really enjoyed that came out around... Well, actually, no, that came out a little earlier than April. Um, oh. So that's probably not not that one. I, yeah, I, I got I to gotta think about that one a little bit. Um, but there's usually some big okay. games that come around, come out around, you know, April timeframe that I can enjoy. Yeah, my birthday is in November, so it's like the busy time of year for games. But... If I had to think of like a game I ever got, like I actually got on my birthday as like a gift and it ended up being one of my favorite games, but the purchase of the game was dumb luck by my parents. Mm -hmm. It was, I believe it was 1999 and I got a little box and my mother says, oh, this is, this game is what the clerk at Toys R Us recommended. Now, you know how store clerks are for retail shops. They never recommend a good game. And I remember thinking to myself, like, oh, no, what did they buy? <laughs> and it was a copy of Rayman 2. Oh. And that's a, it was an awesome that's game. A damn good game. And it, it, that's a game that never would have been on my radar. I never would have gone to the store and picked Rayman 2 off the shelf. Yeah. And good game. I, I played it that night. I was like, wow, this game is awesome. Loved every minute of it. So to whoever that random... Toys R Us store clerk was who recommended Rayman 2 to my parents. You did your job well that day. Definitely better than the time I got Michael Jordan's Chaos in the Windy City for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> but going, Amy, Amy I'm, Hennig was like the lead designer on the game. <laughs> I'm going back and looking at previous years. Um, so Okami came out in April and I remember picking Ooh. that up. Uh, and loving the hell out of that game when it came out. That was in like 07 or something. That was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely been some some memorable birthdays uh, for me. Mm-hmm. And I say that and I can't remember any of them, but no, there's been there's been some good ones. Um, Splinter Cell uh, Conviction mm-hmm. 2010. I probably would have gotten that day and date when that came out as well. So yeah, there's definitely been some some really good ones over the years for sure. Let me look at if I look at 2020, which was last year. Well, we had Final Fantasy VII remake, and that was okay. that was a day and date purchase, no doubt. Um, Resident Evil Three, uh, I enjoyed that. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's been so many that that I've I've played over the years. Yeah. <laughs> I then had a five dollar donation from Skittles. Right, hello, Nate and MVG. With the leaks of Street Fighter VI coming around 2023, are you guys expecting the game to run on Unreal Engine 5 or the RE Engine? I would love to see what the RE Engine can do with a fighting game. Keep up the amazing work. So that's a good Street question. Fighter V on UE4? It's on UE. It's on or UE4. So if I'm. Someone may correct me, but from what I understand, Street Fighter 4 was on UE3, but Street Fighter 5 was on UE4, I believe. Okay. Um, and yet, um, it kind of makes sense that the next Street Fighter iteration would move over to the RE engine because it's, you know, it's their engine, of course. Um, so that's a, that's a really good question. I, I don't know which way they would pivot, you know. I guess it would really depend on if they plan to reuse any of the framework model mm-hmm. 
and how if they could transfer any of it to like re engine without any significant asset loss because otherwise if you can transfer that into unreal engine 5 you yeah. save yourself considerable time part of me does suspect that it would go to the re engine um street fighter 5 wasn't received as well as street fighter 4 for various different reasons i think the the fighting game community has over the years had a lot of issues with Street Fighter V. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying it's the fault of Unreal Engine 4, but I also feel like if they are going to do Street Fighter VI, then why not kind of, you know, start over on, on your own proprietary engine and do it right, right. you know? Yeah, they could, they could go either way, really. Whatever, whatever way they decide is more financially feasible for them. It's probably the decision that they'll ultimately make, but it should definitely be a very pretty looking fighting game when it comes out. Then we had a $100 donation from Shamsa. No message, and Shamsa is the second dedication for this episode. Since I forgot to do it at the intro, Calvin Atkinson and Shamsa will be noted for their dedication at the beginning of the next episode. And I'd like to thank MVG for joining me as always. Thanks for having me on, Nate. Always a pleasure. And let us know your thoughts on Nintendo's Indie World presentation in the comment section below, as well as your thoughts on Abandoned and Blue Box Game Studios, whether you agree with our analysis of the situation being nothing more than a marketing and profile awareness campaign, or if you still believe it is Hideo Kojima making Silent Hill for Konami, or any other conspiracy theory that you may feel attached to that abandoned could possibly lead into and we will have a another episode sometime next week we are investigating a couple of angles and stories so stay tuned for that but until next time continue to embrace the hate <laughs>